0: Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. This is Lee. If this is your first podcast, um, this is not a typical episode. It's a part two of uh, one of the things I do occasionally which is like a bee radio reader and this is a selection from a textbook actually, Honey Bee Biology and Beekeeping by Dewey Karen with Lawrence John Connor published by Wickwas Press and um, it's about bee honey plants. This is something that I'm reading in preparation for the North Carolina journeyman test. So I wanted to go ahead and finish up this section. Thank you Jeff for the encouragement. (laughs) It's been a weird day so I couldn't settle down this evening so I thought well heck I'll just finish up reading this section on summer bee plants. So this is on page 153 of Chapter 10, Foraging and Bee Botany, Summer. In the summer, honeybee foragers have a wide range of plants to visit. Some provide surplus honey, but outside of the clovers and vetches, most merely help maintain the large colony populations. Late spring and early summer blooming trees that bo- bees forage include catalpa, chestnut, persimmon, black gum, tupelo, mimosa, and tree of heaven the latter two are messy trees that have escaped cultivation and are abundant in some locations tree of heaven yields a bitter tasting honey some common weeds that bees visit are wild carrot black-eyed susan various species of the daisy wild parsnip devil's paintbrush a serious weed in some areas if clovers and cultivated crops attractive to bees are absent Foraging bees may heavily visit these plants. Surplus honey is unusual for them. If widespread, bees may store a surplus from species such as Hercules club, a shrub or small tree with white flowers or dogbane, Indian hemp, an herb supposedly toxic to dogs that resembles milkweed with white flowers blooming from June to August. Two additional sticky plants are milkweed that does well in wet locations and burdock in drier sites. Bees may be seen carrying the sticky flag-like pollinia of milkweed on their legs and bodies as they visit the purplish milkweed blooms from June through August. The seed heads of burdock are infamous for sticking to clothing and pet hair for transport to new germination sites. They are credited in the invention of Velcro. Purple loosestrife is easily recognized in wet and marshy areas with its bright purple flowers opening along a stalk. Buttonbush grows in the same habitat and is readily recognized with its round clusters of white tubular flowers that look like cotton balls stuck on a spreading shrub. Both produce pleasant tasting honey. Purple loosestrife is considered a serious weed plant crowding out native species in wetlands. It is popular as an ornamental. Another plant that grows in moist areas that can provide a localized honey crop is coastal sweet pepper bush. It grows in the shoreline areas along the Atlantic coast and has white flowers in midsummer. It is fragrant when in bloom and is being increasingly used in ornamental plantings, bordering lawns and in parks, but is not common enough as an ornamental to be a reliable honey source. There are several home and park landscape ornamentals that can be considered as good sources of nectar for honeybees. Most of these are not sufficiently widespread to be of major significance. Good examples are the various viburnums such as arrowwood, cranberry bush, or nannyberry. Their bloom is attractive to honeybees and the viburnums are excellent for the attraction of birds and other wildlife to gardens and parks. Several Euonymus species are also good ornamental plants. Euonymus is used as a shrub to screen or border. Their small flowers are readily visited by bees. Common and Japanese barberry are also popular ornamental plants which bees utilize. The Japanese species is considered invasive. Two widely planted ornamental shrubs are the various privet and boxwood species. Privet is a white flowering shrub that produces a dark and bitter honey. Since this bitter taste may persist when mixed with other sources of honey, privet can spoil white clover honey since they overlap in bloom. Boxwoods, used in more formal plantings, have a very small and inconspicuous bloom, which bees will visit when other sources are not readily available. Another common ornamental that blooms a bit later is English ivy. It is Its despised relative, poison ivy, also has blooms attractive to honeybees. Ivy honey may not taste very good, but it is not dangerous for allergic individuals to eat. Three additional summer blooming ornamentals of special interest to beekeepers are the BB tree, this is Korean avodia, the golden rain tree, and vitex. The BB tree has numerous small white blossoms that are highly attractive to honeybees. The tree is sold as a good source of summer nectar by seed and garden outlets specializing in nectar and pollen plants. Golden Rain Tree is a medium height tree that blooms in early summer, and the yellow fragrant blossoms are highly attractive to bees. Vitex is a shrub that is being increasingly utilized as an ornamental. It has a long bloom period, which usually extends from midsummer until fall. Certain varieties produce a nice flavored honey and like BB and Golden Rain Tree are extensively visited when in bloom. Globe thistle also blooms in August. Some common summer blooming plants are of very limited use to honeybees. Honeysuckle and red clover have flowers that are usually too deep to permit bees to gather nectar except when flowers are stunted by drought. Rhododendrons and the various laurels are beautiful early summer blooming plants in woodlands or as ornamental plantings but produce very little honey for bees. Bumblebees prefer these flowers. Two widespread cultivated crops tobacco and peanut are plants that do not yield a surplus for honeybees, Ornamentals like forsythia, lilacs, roses, flowering plants, and shrubs, selected specifically for showy flowers, are rarely of use to bees. Cultivated crops. In home gardens and in cultivated fields, various cucurbits, I can't say that word, cuc- cucurbits, such as cucumber, pumpkin, squash, and melon, require pollination for fruit set. The cucurbits do not have a higher, a high flower density, so beekeepers seldom secure surplus honey from plantings. Where cultivated fields of two or more acres in size, one or more honeybee colonies per acre are necessary to supplement natural pollination. A few cucurbit plants in a backyard will be pollinated by wild bees honeybees from beehives in the area or native non-apis pollinators, providing plenty of zucchini or gourds. Corn is widespread throughout the United States. Corn does not secrete nectar but is a source of considerable pollen for honeybees. Bees fly among the corn tassels and readily pick up the light wind-blown windblown pollen but do not assist in plant pollination. I have to pause here because when I had some corn planted in Arkansas I could not believe how much the bees loved the pollen just loved it and um, with all the pesticides used on corn that's kind of a horror to me if I lived in a um, agricultural area but some people do and seem to be okay and others do and are not okay so Alright, back to the text. Soybean and cotton may yield a surplus honey crop when there is a combination of variety, good soil, and favorable environmental conditions. This happens more in the Midwest and Western regions than in the Eastern U.S. Cotton is better known honey source than soybean. It has extra floral nectaries that provide the sugar source. Pesticides used on corn, soybean, and cotton pose considerable risk to the beehive. Such crops are being increasingly examined for methods of using biological control for serious insect pests. In some areas it's necessary to spray plants that are in bloom to protect and secure a commercial crop. This practice results in large losses to foraging honeybees foraging the same bloom. In addition, large-scale herbicide means there are fewer weed plants for alternative foraging. Sunflower, both wild and cultivated, is another source of nectar for honeybees. Bees readily visit the blooms, and although the honey is not the most flavorful, sunflower honey blends well with other honeys. Different varieties vary in their usefulness to honeybees. Two other cultivated plants of use to bees are lima beans and buckwheat. Buckwheat was introduced to the United States by the early colonists and for a time was a staple flower in America. The acreage of buckwheat is now confined to the Appalachian area of the U.S. where it is mainly planted in small fields. The honey from buckwheat is very dark and strong flavored, but it demands a premium price. Buckwheat honey remains a favorite in the preparation of the bread and pastries used to celebrate the Jewish holidays. Lima bean honey is the opposite, very light and mild flavored. It's a good honey to blend with darker honeys to obtain the light amber color preferred by consumers. Around the home. Many ornamental shrubs, plants, and ground covers supply bees with abundant pollen or nectar. Over two dozen species, from crocus of early spring to privet and ivy, have already been discussed. Other areas around the home, such as herb flower and vegetable gardens, may be planted. To supplement a bee colony. Numerous herbs are among the most attractive plants to foraging honeybees. Examples of those most attractive are anise, basil, bee balm, borage, chicory, chives, horound, lavender, marjoram, oregano, and many of the mints such as catnip, spearmint, sage, and thyme. The last mint, thyme, occurs wild in New York and New England and is a honey flow plant most of the others are never numerous enough to provide surplus some yield strong flavored honeys the vegetable and flower garden can be a source of flowering variety for honeybee colonies in the garden asparagus beans especially lima beans broccoli all the cucurbits melon squash cucumber and pumpkin okra peppers and virtually all of the fruits or berries will be visited by honeybees garden flowers bees will visit for food storage include bachelor button bellflower crocus dahlia forget me not hollyhock the single flower varieties marigold phacelia portulaca i don't know that one salvia spider plant and globe thistle honeydew now this is this is a weird and interesting thing honeydew in some areas and certain seasons honey bees store a surplus of honeydew Honeydew is not nectar, but the exudations of plant-sucking insects. The main source of honeydew are insects such as aphids, scale insects, and leaf hoppers. These insects sink their mouthparts into plants and excrete a concentrated waste of high sugar content. Bees gather the honeydew and bring it back to the hive to ripen as if they would nectar or sugar water. Honeydew comes from insects on the evergreens, such as pine or hemlock and from insects on deciduous trees such as oak, beech, and hickory. Honeydew honey, called forest honey in parts of the world where it's common, has a loyal following of enthusiasts. It frequently has a high mineral content, crystallizes very rapidly, and is difficult to extract. Beekeepers, whose bees utilize honeydew for overwintering, report that the colonies do not winter as well on this source. The amount of honeydew stored in one season is highly variable. Bees will forage for nectar from flowers if they are available rather than collect honeydew. I'm going to go ahead and read fall because I hate to say this but it won't be long before we're getting there. Fall. In some locations a fair number of late summer blooming plants yield nectar that provides stores for the overwintering bee colony. Boneset is a widespread herb and one species, joe pieweed, is a source of surplus honey in some northern states. We actually have a lot of joe Pie weed here in the mountains of North Carolina. Heart's ease has a number of common names such as smartweed, knotweed, or lady's thumb. Several species are reliable producers of honey from midsummer to frost, especially where they are locally abundant. Smartweed supposedly does not yield a very flavorful nectar. Japanese bamboo is a heartsease relative that is a very attractive bloom to honey bees and may produce a crop. Goldenrod is widely distributed source of great benefit for bees. There are some 80 species of this widely distributed native plant, but not all are of use to honeybees. Generally, the flat-top species are the better nectar secretors compared to the plume-shaped flower types. Cool nights followed by warm days favor good nectar secretion. Goldenrod honey is deep golden in color and has a heavy flower taste. It represents the only seasonal surplus honey for some beekeepers in certain parts. Of the northern United States and I'll pause here new beekeepers if in the fall when the goldenrod is blooming if you go out to your hives and in your apiary you just smell this kind of awful smell it kind of to me it smells like gem socks or something um, hopefully <laughs> it's not some disease in your hive but uh, sourwood really smells kind of rank to me but it is a specialty honey for some people Nearly 200 uh, biden species are found widespread and visited by bees. Spanish needle beggar ticks, stick tights, and burr marigolds are common late summer and fall flowers, especially on low, swampy land. Tickseed sunflower blooms from mid-August until late September along the coastal plain and in wet areas. Spanish needle blooms in early spring in the southern locations, but is an important fall source in both the north and the south. Ironweed has purple flowers that are moderately attractive to honeybees. It begins blooming in August and is of value before goldenrod and aster if no Bidens are available to the bees. The last of the major widespread plants in bloom that honeybees utilize are the asters. Over a 100 species of aster exist in North America and some produce abundant nectar. Like the goldenrods, a combination of cool nights and warm days is the best nectar-secreting weather. Because it crystallizes fairly quickly in the comb, beekeepers do not always want to harvest aster honey. It may not be the best food source for overwintering bees. In some locations, a super or more of aster honey may be harvested if the first fall frosts are not too early and the daytime temperature is warm enough to permit adequate bee flight. Bees reduce brood rearing at the last of the goldenrod. Bidens and aster flowers end their blooming cycle and are killed by frost. As bees prepare for winter, weaker colonies are less able to fight off robber bees. Foragers from stronger colonies will enter the smaller hive and attempt to rob honey. Various wasp species will also attempt to rob honey from weaker hives. This leads to defensive fighting. It's a difficult time of the season. For once the flowers have finished blooming, colonies must live off the stored food reserves of the past season and pass the winter inside the hive. And I'll just say um, that this was a one thing that really changed uh, my beekeeping practice. Well, I should say the health of my bees is when I began to leave enough honey for them to overwinter. I actually, <laughs> on Michael Bush's website, he's all into you know lazy techniques he pointed out and i had to admit he was really right about this that you know if every drop of honey you leave on there is a drop of honey you don't have to take off bottle and then replace with sugar water and obviously the benefits for the bees to overwinter on honey well i shouldn't say obviously because i mean i still know people in my club that take every drop of honey and then overwinter them on sugar water they don't have um they don't have as good a survival rates as people who leave attempt to leave enough honey for them to overwinter if you're beginners if you've stuck with me this long in this reading i am very impressed with you and i suspect you are going to be a successful beekeeper cuz obviously you are intent on learning if you've stuck with it this long um so I encourage you to find out what the number of pounds for your area, the, the, the number of pounds of honey that they need to overwinter. And then um, you can find out, and these numbers are online. I can't do them off the top of my head tonight, but you know, a, a, full, a deep frame of honey weighs X amount of pounds, and a medium frame of honey weighs X amount of pounds. I think it's about five. Um, and you can do the count and figure up about how much, how many pounds of honey are in each hive. Some people weigh their hives. I haven't gotten that uh, detailed yet. But um, but anyway, I try to do a pretty close count of how much honey is in the hive and make sure that they have enough uh, f- for the winter. in In our area of North Carolina, I'm up by Mount Mitchell in the mountains, and so 50 pounds is an absolute minimum up here. Um, at least in my experience in my microclimate 50 pounds is a minimum and then in late winter whatever the however much i left i check very carefully um, because they they could be running out of course if you're overwintering nukes then that's a whole different calculation Um, but i hope you've enjoyed this uh reading this last paragraph in this chapter is notes notes honeybees may visit more than 200 plant species in an average season every beekeeper should develop plant lists a bee botany season that includes local bloom of importance such lists will include some plants that provide early season pollen let me read that again because that's really important such lists will include some plants that provide early season pollen Continuation of spring buildup requires more pollen and nectar resources from a larger variety of flowering plants for colonies. Then as colonies grow large, one or a few plants should reliably provide nectar for the bees to store surplus. Summer variety means continuing brood production and maintenance allowing harvest of surplus honey by the beekeeper from colonies that develop normally. Finally, the bee plant season should provide fall plant resources to ensure successful overwintering. In the western North Carolina region, there is a chart. I believe it was John Christie and Ed Buchanan. I, I could be messing that up, That put it together of our blooming plants. It may be on the WNC Beekeepers website. If you know where this chart is, if you would drop me a line and let me know, it's blueridge714 at gmail.com. I would love to be able to tell um, beekeepers in the western North Carolina area where this chart is because it has the season and what's blooming mostly here. Thank you so much. I appreciate each and every one of you listeners. It's really fun to know you're out there. It's really fun to hear from you. And I just want you to know I am so happy that we're all learning about bees together. Thank you so much. Have a good week and enjoy your bees.